Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Just a quick reminder before we get started that we are doing a little rebranding over here. We are no longer the Emotionally Broken Psychos Network, new name coming soon. And in the meantime, if you're interested in finding our Patreon, we have a temporary link right now, which is patreon.com slash v2 coming soon. That's patreon.com slash v is in Victor, two is in the number, coming soon. We'll have a new name and a new link soon. If you want to find our Patreon, though, I have a link in my Instagram bio at feathers underscore pod. Hello, everyone. How are you? Just right off the bat, this week is not Thanksgiving. Yeah, this week is not Thanksgiving. This is coming out this Sunday before Thanksgiving, and I will be off next week. I am going to Seattle tomorrow, actually, for a whole week to be with my brother and sister-in-law and nephew. I am thrilled. It's going to be great. My sister-in-law just texted me that they have to like put their cat down while I'm there, which is awful, and I feel very sad for them, but I'm so thrilled to be going. I just did something truly insane. I upgraded myself to first class because it wasn't that expensive, all things considered, and it's a six and a half hour flight, and so I said, fuck it, and I did it. I can't believe it. Whew. Anyway, guys... I hope everyone has a nice Thanksgiving. I hope I have a nice Thanksgiving. I mean, I know I will. I also just want everyone to know that when I upgraded my MacBook, it put a new system on there and Audacity, the recording software I use to edit, well, record and edit this podcast, stopped fucking working. And I had a meltdown. As everybody knows, I bought this. Well, not everybody, but people who listen to this probably know. I got this MacBook last year. I still don't love it. I've had it for about a year. And and I don't know. I, <laughs> I miss having a PC laptop. I think after this dies, hopefully in another, better last me another like fucking five years, I will probably go back to having a PC. I just don't really, for me, like I don't really see the advantage of it. I'm still on a PC all day at work. Uh, like I said, I've always been a PC girl. So Mac still like isn't that intuitive to me. I miss the programs that I used on my PC. And yeah, I just I don't know. The it just the Mac I don't think has been worth the money. I guess it'll be worth the money if it lasts me. This computer lasts me five or six years. I'll be pretty shocked just because I'm pretty hard on my computers. But I just I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love it. I also don't love the keyboard on this thing. Um I know it Knock on wood, I've not had keyboard like breaking issues yet, which has been a big Mac problem for the last couple years. I just mean like the butterfly keyboard. I don't love typing on it. The thing that I do love about the Mac is having text messages on my computer. That's probably the one thing that I really love. But where was I? Oh, so when I upgraded my Mac, 
Audacity wasn't working. I had a fucking meltdown. I've tried to use GarageBand. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, i sure if I sat down and I took the time, I could teach myself to use GarageBand because I taught myself how to use Audacity. Like, literally, I Googled. <laughs> I typed into Google how to edit your own podcast on PC. And the first thing recommendation was Audacity. So I downloaded that. Then I probably watched, I know I watched a couple YouTube videos on it. And then I just like learned how to do it. And it's super, super easy. But the first, I mean, the first podcast episode I edited took like hours. Like it took so long. I was so scared. I'd make all these mistakes. Um, But it's one of those things that like once you know how to do it, it's like, it's just second nature. Like it's very intuitive. And I know how to use Audacity. It's super easy for me to use. I never have issues with it. I just really like Audacity. And I have tried, I'm using tried very loosely. I've opened up GarageBand. I watched like, I half watched one video on how to use it. And then I was like, what, how does this benefit me? <laughs> like, why would I switch over and learn and take the months that it takes, like make a program intuitive? Like, I don't care to do that. So I like never got into GarageBand and then I downloaded this other app called WavePad, which like once again, I'm sure I could easily fucking figure out how to use it. Just one of those things that it's tedious and it takes time. Uh, And I didn't want to do that. So I was like Googling how to make Audacity work in the new Mac upgrade. I was like considering trying to figure out how to like de uninstall the new Mac upgrade because I just like couldn't deal with this. Like it just was not something that I could deal with. I was also considering using another program like WavePad or whatever to record and then putting the episode on a hard drive and walking over to my mom's desktop computer and using that to edit, which would be crazy. (laughs) But I just, I, it was, I don't know. This podcast is a labor of love. I make money, but not a ton of money doing this. And I just, I, I just don't have it in me to learn a whole new software. But I Googled and I saw like that there's this workaround and I was like, I'm not Steve Jobs. I'm not a techie. Like I can't do that. But then I found one two minute and 30 second YouTube video, which is the exact amount of time I can dedicate my brain to a tech YouTube video that told me exactly how to work Audacity in Catalina, the new Mac upgrade, and it fucking worked. And thank fucking God. So here I am on Audacity. (laughs) Nine years later, I am very happy, very thrilled. And, you know, I'm excited to be bringing you this episode. My back hurt really bad today for the first time in a while, which of course like flipped me out because I'm flying across the country tomorrow and I won't be able to get into my chiropractor for a while after having like fucking three great week. I guess it's not three, maybe like two and a half good weeks uh, with almost no back pain. Of course, my back today hurt. And once again, it was because I didn't walk enough this week. Just the world kind of conspired against me. But tonight I like, I walked towards the end of the evening and then I was up on my feet like all night, not all night, but for most of this night packing. And so my back like actually feels pretty okay. I drank a yerba. (laughs) What is it? Yerba mate? what I call yerba mate for the first time in a while. So I'm like buzzing on that. And I am ready to talk to you guys. You know, somebody asked me today because I got my notes done when I should. (laughs) The issue is I record this podcast late a lot because I just hate watching the episode and taking notes. 
Um, I wish I could pay someone to take the notes, but the reality, like, and I could just watch the episode, but the reality is, is that that wouldn't work because I never just watch something. I'm always, uh, like on my computer or my phone, not paying full attention. And I just don't think I'd be able to read someone else's notes about a show like this. But like the hardest part for me about doing this podcast is like prepare, taking the notes, not so much a preparation. Cause like, I mean, obviously, I fucking love Teen Mom Gossip. Like, I look at Teen Mom Gossip all day long, every day. That's why, like, I'm able to do this podcast. Somebody once asked me how much prep work I put into this. And I was like, well, you know, it takes me an hour or two to take notes, depending on, like, how many episodes are on that week. And then, like, I record the show. And then I was like, well, that's not really true because I spend hours every day, like, looking at Teen Mom Reddit, Teen Mom Twitter, all of that type of stuff, looking at Instagram, So I actually do like a lot of prep work for this. The show, this version of this show would not work if I wasn't like deeply entrenched in the fandom. But the part that's the hardest for me, as I said, is just like sitting down and taking notes because I can't do anything else while I'm taking notes. And this week I was like really good and I was like, yes, I got my notes done last night when I should have so that I could record this on Friday so that tomorrow... I'm not, like, recording like a maniac in the morning before I get on my flight. I have to leave for the airport at, like, 3.30. So I'll be able to take, like, a long walk and then use the heating pad and, like, actually do my stretches and, like, really prepare for this and not just be, like, running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I have to fucking record a podcast and it takes me hours to record a podcast on my own. (laughs) When I have a guest on, it takes me the amount of time that I have the guest on. Like, when I record on my own, it takes me literally hours and hours because I just get distracted and I take long pauses. So, it's like, great, I recorded in time, this is, or I took notes in time, and so my friend Alyssa, who I don't think listens very often anymore because she just doesn't care that much about Teen Mom, uh, asked me, like, is the podcast a chore? And I didn't, like, give her a complete answer because we kind of, like, ran on to talking about something else. And I don't know, like... It's hard to describe because, like, in some ways, recording the podcast is a chore. Like, it's just, it's a lot. Like, watching, watching these episodes, especially when Young and Pregnant is on, that's two episodes a week I have to watch and take notes on. Like I said, keeping up with the fandom and then actually, like, sitting down and recording, like, every single week. Like, I have to schedule my weekend. I mean, (laughs) I could schedule my regular week, but I have to schedule, like, a night where I sit down and do this and that can be hard. So, like, but it's always been that way. Like, it's always kind of been a chore for me, but it, I guess it's like a labor of love and that I love connecting with you guys and like having these listeners. And it's something that I'm like actually quite proud of, which is kind of funny because I don't talk about it that much in my regular life with my regular people. But the fact that like thousands of people every week listen to me is pretty incredible. I mean, this week somebody messaged me asking me about like how they go to their first AA meeting that like just thinking about that could make me cry. And the fact that like I could help somebody get to their first meeting, somebody that I've never met in person is incredible. And just the amount of messages I've gotten from people that are like, you know, I reflected on my drinking or my using because of stuff you said. Um, By the way, oh, I just want to share this real quick. I had the weirdest moment tonight. I pulled like a stack of bills that I just like cha- like a $5 and like a couple ones out of my uh, coat pocket to put in my wallet. And the $5 bill had such a strong smell that I like held it up to my nose. It, I had like a full body flashback to snorting Adderall. It was so weird. I don't know if that bill was used to snort Adderall, so it was, like, the smell of the bill plus, like, 
specifically what those pills smelled like, but that was bizarre. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, like, is this podcast a chore? Like, yeah, but as I've said on this podcast a million times, like, I'm an inherently lazy person. I like to do as little as I can. I like to lay around. And so anything that I'm, like, obligated to do is a chore, but I it is worth it for me. And the fact is, if it wasn't worth it for me, I would just not do this. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't. I just would stop doing the podcast. I'd be like, okay, well, this is my last episode. Love you guys. And I just... <laughs> I'd probably delete my uh, Reddit account and start afresh somewhere so that people wouldn't realize it was me and ask me about it. And I just wouldn't do my podcast anymore if it was like if I didn't want to. So while yes, it's a chore, it's something that I really like to do. And I just really appreciate having this platform. And since it's Thanksgiving, we're talking about what we're grateful for. I'm like so grateful for everybody who listens to this and anybody who cares enough about me to listen to this. Uh, It just makes me feel really good and really happy. And, you know, I'm going to use an ad money revenue to pay for that first class upgrade I got, bitch. (laughs) That's it. There's no Teen Mom news this week, really. Nothing really happened this week, I don't think. Um, Oh, I did see today that Olivia, David's ex-mother of his son, Caden, is suing David and Janelle in civil court for revenge porn. Now, I'm sure I talked about some of this back on the podcast when it happened. Olivia had posted a GoFundMe to raise uh, money for lawyer fees back, I think, post Janelle and David getting the kids back, obviously pre them divorcing. She was trying to basically make it so David had no visitation with uh, Caden at all. And she posted a GoFundMe asking for $5,000, which I was like, I wavered on. Wavered isn't really the right word. I was like apprehensive about because on one hand, it's like, I'm sure she spent a lot of money trying to keep David out of Caden's life, probably rightfully so. I respect someone that's trying to protect their kid. I know how expensive lawyers are. Um, I think she was doing right by her son. And there's a lot of people in the team on fandom who fucking hate David and Janelle and will donate money to her. But on the other hand, as somebody that's watched this fandom for a long time and is part of this fandom, I will not remove myself from this. I am aware that I'm fully in this. I was um, nervous for her, I guess, to get involved with the Hatters on a level of them donating her money because I was worried that once they donated her the money, they would feel entitled to her and information from her and behavior from her and like a purity, maybe is the word, from her that she would never do anything wrong. I don't know. I just like am nervous about anybody welcoming that type of energy into their life. But I understand why you would want to, especially in a situation where you like honestly basically felt like it was life or death which like it kind of was and I mean that might be a little dramatic but a very serious situation you basically have all these people that you can reach out to that will give you money in order to spite the person that you're trying to fight like I can definitely understand the desire to use them and I think in the end it was probably worth the six thousand dollars and it's worked out pretty well for her but I just the whole time was like, Ugh, I just don't know if I would inv- want to invite um, people to give me money like that. Any people. I mean, God forbid something terrible happened to me and I just started GoFundMe. I would. 
I mean, yeah, I probably, I don't know. I probably would. If I got cancer tomorrow and the treatment was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I would. But I, I don't know if I would ever want, like, the Twitter Janelle Hatter contingency <laughs> being the ones uh, donating to me because I just don't know if I want to feel like I owed them something or I would want them to feel like I owed them something. I think that would be the biggest issue. So when she posted that, we've talked about this before, uh, on GoFundMe, you can leave, like, you can upload pictures, like, as a comment, and somebody, I wonder who could possibly be, uploaded porn of Olivia onto her GoFundMe. And obviously, of course, everybody assumes it's David and Janelle. I don't know if there's any way to prove that. I don't know if, um... GoFundMe would provide IP addresses for stuff like that. I also, like, don't know how much IP addresses really matter. Like, I don't know. I don't really understand all of that stuff. As I said, I'm no techie. I'm not Steve Jobs. (laughs) But she is suing them. I wonder why she's just suing them in civil court and why there's not also a criminal case against them. But I wonder if they... Well... I mean, I guess I don't wonder. Maybe the police felt like there was not an evidence enough evidence to prove that it was David. But with a lawyer, she was able to like subpoena GoFundMe for IP addresses and subpoena providers, like internet providers for IP addresses and like do more work. But honestly, good for her. Like, I will say Tomlin did make a point. Like, she's not going to be able to collect money from David. Janelle's also named in the suit, but I wonder if she, like, I don't know. Tell him basically her point was like, it does, is this worth like poking the bear of David to make a point and like, you're not even really going to be able to recover money? And I definitely agree with that. I think that there is a big risk versus reward in doing something with David, but I hope because she has decided to take this risk that it works out for her. Obviously, like revenge porn is fucking disgusting. I mean, not to get political, but look at what just happened with Katie Hill, who had to step down from Congress, which is, like, fucking infuriating. And I hope, for Olivia's sake, that she is able to prove that David is the one that did it in civil court. For those of you that don't know, civil court has a lower uh, requirement of evidence to convict. So, in criminal court, you have to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. In civil court, you only have to be guilty by a preponderance of evidence. So basically, like, if the jury finds you 51% guilty, they can find you guilty. Where in criminal court, they have to find you, I mean, what does reasonable doubt really mean? But basically, you have to be like 97% guilty, right, in criminal court. And so civil court has a much lower uh, threshold needed to win, That's why, like, O.J. Simpson was found guilty in criminal court, but the Goldman and Brown families were able to uh, bring a unlawful death case against him, and they were able to win in civil court because by the preponderance of evidence, he was guilty. So, I mean, there is a good chance that uh, Olivia could win. I wonder if maybe Janelle will settle with her. I wonder if how they could prove that it was, if it was, like, just Janelle or just David and not Janelle. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of David and Janelle, I haven't seen anything about like an updated court case. So we're still waiting on that. But I think that's it for this week. It's actually been quite a slow week. Kale posted some fucking crazy thing. Let me read it out loud, actually, in case you don't follow me on Instagram. 
Okay, Kale is an anti-vaxxer, as we've talked about, I'm sure, and she posted this on her story. It's crazy. Yes, vaccines do cause cancer, and cancer is now the number one cause of death by disease in kids today. But thanks to the vaccine industry, you fear things like the measles and chickenpox instead. Who is doing your thinking? Hashtag just asking. <laughs> now, I just want to quickly laugh at this. I do find I will say... I don't love to talk about the kale anti-vax stuff that much because there is an aspect of it just like being a circle jerk because like all of us are pro-vax, right? We're all pro-vax. We know kale's an idiot. There's nothing, there's not that much to say about it. I don't, I don't know. Like I'm very pro-vaccination, but I'm also not one of those people that's like straight up fucking enraged by anti-vax. Like I'm just not, like I don't like it. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, like, most, the anti-vax thing as a movement is fucking stupid. Um, I'm not denying that at all. I want to be very clear that I'm, like, very pro-vax. I think what I find, like, I just don't care to, like, do a pro-vax circle jerk because it's like, yeah, we're all right and Kale's wrong. She's a fucking idiot. And there's nothing, there's not that much to say because anti-vax has nothing to do with science or reason. So, like, who am I going to convince to be pro-vax? Like, there are, I've, okay, I'm Facebook friends with this woman that I literally can't unfriend because she's so fucking stupid and it makes me really laugh. And the anti-vax shit she posts is just like this and it's so stupid. It's so stupid and there's, like, nothing that she could post. Like, or there's nothing that I could give her that would convince her to change her mind because none of it is based on science or reason or logic. It's, like, all based on, like, gut feeling shit. Um, But I just think the funny thing about this is, and cancer is the number one cause of death by disease in kids today. Like, okay, that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah, it's a terrible thing if a child gets cancer, obviously, but... Cancer being the number one cause of death by disease in kids is not bad because, like, if a a child dying by disease is bad, (laughs) like, and the fact that we've eliminated measles and polio and tuberculosis and whooping cough, what is that, pertitis? Like, the fact that we've, like, done a really good job at eliminating that and those aren't, like, the number one cause of death by disease in children is, like, that's a good thing. And it's not a bad thing that cancer is. Like, does that make sense? I just think that's such funny wording because it's not the number one cause of death in children because that's accidents, I believe. So it's just a funny, a very funny way to word it. Like, yeah, well, if a a kid dies by disease, it's most likely that they died by cancer. And it's like, yeah, because we don't have a fucking cure for a lot of childhood cancers. Like, we know that. And it's actually good that kids aren't dying from measles. (laughs) Also, the fact that can't, like, me vaccines cause cancer. Like, I haven't seen that one. I thought we all agreed that Vaccines cause autism. Psych, I'm just kidding. It's just so crazy. It's so crazy. And I can't decide how much of this is Kale trolling and how much of it it's, like, her being serious. Also, yes, like, we all heard Kale on TV say that Lux couldn't be around people because he hadn't gotten his shots yet. And... 
but apparently she doesn't believe in those shots. We did know Kale was anti-vax for a while because that was a thing that was talked about for a while. But then we thought she like had changed her mind, but then I guess she didn't. And Kale just like that post is so stupid. And also Kale will like post flat earth stuff sometimes. And I don't know. There's just something so like, I guess I could maybe understand somebody that like, believes vaccines have poison in them. I don't know. I can't really understand that. But like, okay, I do know this other woman that's anti-vax and like, I can follow her train of thought of why she is, even though I think she's completely wrong and uneducated and misinformed and making the bad choice. Um, I don't agree with her, but like, I can at least follow the logic that she's like, going with her personal logic but kale's is like what vaccines cause cancer i it's not great it's not great kale is she's just stupid right she's stupid okay let's go on to the episode i took notes on young and pregnant and team mom two this week so there is lots to talk about and we will get on with it right after a quick break Shall we start with Kale since we're already bashing her? (laughs) I think that's a good plan, don't you? Oh, no. How do I open up my notes? Oh, here we go. Guys, I'm going to have to switch between notes. Why didn't I just copy them and paste them into one Word doc? I'll do that right now. Hold on. Okay, I'm a genius. Problem solved. Okay, Kaylin, where are you? All right, so basically not that much happened with Kale this week. The boys are settling in the new house. I did want to point out, like, Lux was in at one point, like, a sweatshirt and track pants, and he looked so big with his hair down. Like, he looked like a full-grown man. (laughs) It was really cute because usually, you know, like, he has his hair in a little ponytail, and he's, like, in a diaper just a shirt like he looks very babyish even if he's always had kind of an old man face but in his like full outfit I was dying he looked so so cute uh basically Kale goes to New York with Leah for the VMAs their hair and makeup looked so bad I don't know who the fuck that makeup artist was but she did them quite quite dirty and we find out that Bear, Kale's Rottweiler that she got way back with Javi, she said she got him when Isaac was two and Isaac is 10 now. And I believe that's around when she got with Javi. I kind of, I vaguely remember when like the two large dogs popped up. Uh, Bear is sick. He has cancer. He has a mass on his spleen. And the doctor is like, you're probably going to have to put him down. Uh, she of course is devastated speaking of animals being put down this is so awful my brother and sister-in-law are gonna have to put down their cat either tomorrow before i get to seattle or on monday when i'm there i basically was like that sucks don't feel like you have to put on a brave face for me the poor kitty is uh lymphoma and it's all over her body now and she stopped eating so it's the end, and my sister-in-law is obviously devastated, and I was like, well, I'll help with the baby. I mean, he's not a baby. He's two and a half, and I'll keep him distracted so that you can be sad for a little bit, and just don't feel like you have to put on a happy face for me, but yeah, so there's a lot of animals being put down. Um, Kale is, of course, upset, like, of course, devastated. 
she said that she feels really guilty. I thought this was interesting because I guess the dog had been going to the bathroom in the house for like a couple weeks and she thought he was mad at her because she was traveling and I'm like, I don't think that's really how dogs work. I don't know. I don't really understand why Kale's pets. I'm going to be honest. Like Kale travels a lot. I mean, I understand why she has pets on like... <laughs> a logical base level. Like, I I love pets. <laughs> I get it. But she travels so much that she has to put those dogs in kennels so often. Like, it'd be one thing if she had a spouse or a roommate or every time she went away, like, somebody came and stayed at the house and took care of the dogs. But I'm pretty sure she, at least according to Reddit, like, boards them every time she goes away, which, as we see, is quite a lot. And I don't know. I feel like if you travel all the time and you don't have somebody else that's, like, in your home that is also taking care of a dog, I don't really think it's, like, I don't think it's fair to have a dog that you have to put in the kennel all the time. And then, of course, Kale gets her new, like, $5,000 adopt or designer dog, not adopted dog, like, immediately after they put down Bear. I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. I don't understand. But... She's crying. She's like, I don't know what to tell the boys. And Leah says that she should let them come if she want, if they want to. And I agree. I think Leah's right. I think, I don't know, Lincoln may be a little young, but I think Isaac is definitely old enough to understand. Uh, and that's kind of it for Kale this week. She had kind of a, a low week. In the preview for next week when she's telling the boys, like, they're going to go to the vet and then Bear's not going to come home, like... I teared up a little bit. That's sad. That's really sad. Um, I guess I'll t- talk to talk to talk about Leah next because she was in New York with Kale, although we didn't really see that much of them like together in New York. Basically, we're still doing the Leah Jeremy thing, which like don't 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 care. Oh, the episode starts off with the girls playing on her phone and she's like Stop. You need to get off my phone. Like, I might get a text that I don't want you to see from your dad. And I thought she was talking about the twins' dad, but then Addie started chiming in. I don't know. How many fucking episodes can we talk about Addie being confused by Jeremy and Leah? Like, every single episode, I don't know what's going on with Jeremy. Addie wants us to be together. Addie's confused. Like, there's only so much to talk about. Like, you're either going to be with Jeremy or you're not going to be with Jeremy. You either need to tell Addie that you and Jeremy are together or stop fucking Jeremy <laughs> so Addie stops getting confused. Um, Leah brings Addie over to Jeremy's house. Am I the only one that noticed that Addie had long-ass acrylic nails on? And this was not summer. Like, they'd been back from Hawaii for over a month. Like, the girls are back in school. Like, Addie had on a full set. <laughs> That's fucking insane to me. That's insane. When I was that age, I remember we would go to... Uh, we used to go to this one store called I Got It at Gary's, <laughs> which was like a very large CVS, basically. Um, and we would go to I Got It at Gary's, and we would get fake, like, Sally ha- Hansen press-ons. And I remember then I, maybe when I was, like, 9 or 10, my friend Brittany and I upgrading to the glue-on version, which my mom was not pleased about, but it was still just you know, the glue that you, like, put around the edges of your fingernails. Like, I understand little girls wanting to play with long nails. Like, I definitely did. I think if your kid wants to play with 
like stick-ons, like fine glue when they're a little older. It's not great, but whatever. But like, I cannot imagine taking my child to a nail salon and getting them a fucking full set of acrylic nails. That's so crazy to me. Addie is in first grade. If I was a first grade teacher and a student came in with acrylic nails, I would be horrified. Like, your six-year-old doesn't need gel. She doesn't need dip. She doesn't need acrylic. Like, fucking paint on a manicure. Like, I get taking them out for a manicure. Like, my mom would take me out for manicures or pedicures sometime. Like, I totally get it. It's like a bonding or a treat. But, like, I just cannot imagine what crosses Leah's mind when she lets these girls get these nails and why she... Sorry, I feel like my nose is really, really running all of a sudden. Oh, but I, like, can't imagine why she lets them go to school with these long-ass acrylic nails. I do think that... Look, are they arbitrary rules? Yes. Like, are they all societal bullshit? Like, yeah. But I do think that they're, with little kids, there's certain stuff that there's, like, fine to do at home and not fine to wear at school. And, like, one of those things is, a, like, long-ass nails. Like, you want to put your Lee, your Lee's press-on nails on for the weekend? Like, feel free. But in my opinion, like, those come off on Monday. Why? Because. <laughs> because these are the rules of society that we're all living by. Uh, Jeremy asks Leah, oh, well, Addie leaves, they, like, send Addie out of the room, and Addie's like, so y'all can kiss, and they just, like, laugh about it, and they are, oh, it's just, it's kind of upsetting watching them encourage Addie's behavior. Like, they just, every bad thing Addie does, they laugh about, and I understand they think she's very funny, but it's just not gonna be cute in a few years. Like, to me, it's already kind of not cute. I have an issue with, like, really back-talking children. I think it's, I just think it's kind of a gross quality that when parents don't train their children. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, like, part of being a parent, one of the most important things of being a parent is, like, teaching your child manners and etiquette. What's it called? Home training. Like, I think that's extremely important. I think if I was ever asked to leave the room as a child, like, and I joked, like, so they could kiss? Like, my mom wouldn't laugh at that. She'd be like, that's really rude. That's not your place to say that. Like, you need to go to your room now. You're in trouble. As I've talked about on this podcast, like, my parents were not exactly strict parents, but something that my parents were extremely strict about was, like, manners and etiquette. And it's really benefited me as an adult and served me well as an adult. And it's something that I'm, like, extremely grateful for. I also had a very short grandmother (laughs) with things like that. And I mean, I still have her. She's alive. We just, you know, family, family dynamics are complicated. (laughs) Uh, But I just was like raised with certain expectations on how a child speaks to adult, how a child speaks to other people. Um, It wasn't just like adults. Like I wasn't allowed to like, gossip in front of my mom, which is funny because I'm so, it's not funny, but, like, I'm such a gossiper. Um, I remember, I mean, my mom was just always very strict about, like, tolerance and being polite and not being mean to other people. And, I mean, my dad was, like, really mean to me, so <laughs> not in all ways, but it was just, like, really important in my house that, like, we understood how you speak to other people and that bad behavior like that really was not entertained. I can remember, I mean, and this was, like, the early 90s in, like, third grade when people started using gay as an insult. 
And, like, I said it at home once, and my mom, like, I got in trouble. She was like, you absolutely cannot say that in this home. Like, that is bad. Like, that is wrong. And, like, I would go to the uh, to other kids' houses, and they're, like, they would say, and their parents would laugh at them. Like, it was a funny joke, and I remember being like, ooh, wow. And I don't know. It was just my mom, like, really, and my dad, too, like, really cared about manners. And I think they're doing a real disservice to Addie by letting her say whatever the fuck she wants to any adult and laughing about it because that's not how life works. And I can imagine she's like a terror in class. You know, it's just, I don't know. I think that like we as adults have a responsibility to like all children, all children. Like if my nieces say something, I don't parent my nieces, but my best friend and I are on the same wavelength basically about everything. (laughs) We're like extremely similar in thought processes, which is why we're lifelong best friends. And, you know, when her daughters say something that's nasty to me, like, I reprimand them. Like, don't speak to me or anybody that way. Because it's just, we're doing a disservice to our children if we don't train them at home. And I think Addie is going to grow up to be a person that lacks obvious home training. And I think that's a shame because it's just going to get her in trouble. Uh, So Jeremy asks Leah out for dinner, and she's like, okay, I don't know. There's just something really lame about this whole thing, because, like, we know Jeremy and Leah don't end up together. Like, they're trying to make it something it's not. They're trying to make it something that'll never be, and it's just, like, who cares watching it? Uh, We do see Leah FaceTiming her friend, and she says that Jeremy was not the best con the best husband, and that he was quick to roll out on me. Now, this kind of set me off. (laughs) I cannot believe that Leah has the fucking nerve to get on TV and say that Jeremy rolled out on her quick. That is a crazy thing to say. First of all, if anybody rolled out on anybody else quick, it was Leah to Corey. (laughs) That was a quick rollout. Uh, Second of all, It's like she has forgotten that she repeatedly cheated on Jeremy. Now, was Jeremy a good husband? No! I've talked about this extensively. Like, Jeremy was not a good husband, and he especially was not a good husband for Leah. They never had a good relationship, and they never had a good foundation, and they were not good partners. And he was not there, and he was an awful husband. But the reality is, is that Leah became a fucking drug addict who was regularly cheating on Jeremy and spending all of his money. And like, sometimes I'll see posts on Reddit where people are like, Jeremy just gave up on Leah when she needed him the most. And it's like, no, just because you're an addict doesn't mean that everybody in your life has to hang around by you until you get better. Like, yes, it is a disease, but it's also a disease that has really negative consequences on the people around you and the people around you need to protect themselves. And Jeremy was being cheated on. And I don't know if Dolan is the right phrase to use there, but his money was not being used to things that it should be used for. And so for Leah to be like, well, Jeremy was quick to roll out. And it's like, well, you were quick to fuck Robbie at Jeremy's dad's house. Like, I don't know if you guys know that. The way that Leah first got caught fucking Robbie is that she was staying with Jeremy's dad while he was out of town. I don't know what happened in their house. I can't remember the exact details, but... Jeremy, or excuse me, Leah got caught bringing Robbie back to the house on Jeremy's dad's deer cam. 
Uh, it was obviously never mentioned on the show, but it was like a huge deal. The Ash- this is when the Ashley had like a ton of sources or a source that was really fucking good and reliable inside Leah's world. And Jeremy's dad caught Leah bringing Robbie to the house on the deer camera. A deer camera only goes off when there's motion, I believe. And it caught them going to the house. And so for Leah to be like, well, Jeremy really rolled out on me. It's like, girl, don't rewrite history here. You were not like, I don't know. It's not, it's not like you were in this position through no fault of your own and really struggling and your husband just dipped. Like, Leah was responsible for that marriage ending. She just was. Like, it was always going to end because Jeremy was a bad husband and from the first place and she was a bad wife from the jump and they were never good together. But the way that it ended and the time that it ended is because of Leah and her behavior. And for her to say that is really crazy to me. Like, if Leah had been like, I don't know, you know, we just like we're never that good together and we have different priorities and he still is the way he is and I'm still the way I am and I'm just not sure if anything's changed enough for us to work. I'd be like, damn girl, that's perceptive. (laughs) I didn't realize that you had that much inner reflection. (laughs) I would be happy for her. But now she turns it into Jeremy leaving her too quick. Uh, so basically, it's the next night. Leah's getting ready for her date, and Jeremy sends her a text. That's, it's not funny. That's like, sorry, girl, I'm in the ambulance with my grandfather. <laughs> I felt for Leah there. Like, haven't we all been, like, getting ready for something we're, like, so fucking excited for? And the person cancels on us while we're doing our makeup. It's the worst feeling in the world, especially when it's for something like his grandfather is in the hospital because you can't even say shit. What are you supposed to say? Like, yo, go fuck yourself. I was really looking forward to this. How dare you do this? No. You have to be like, okay. (laughs) And then Leah goes to New York for the VMAs. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Okay. Let's talk about Chelsea. So it's Aubrey's 10th birthday. And I thought this was kind of weird. I guess she wasn't having like a party party, which I guess makes sense because by 10, maybe you want to like make things smaller. That's like when you're kind of past inviting all the kids in your class. And But Cole takes her and her friend, some of her friends, to a Ninja Warrior gym, which I actually thought was pretty cool. I know kids like fucking love Ninja Warrior. And... Chelsea's like, I stayed home and got ready to have cake and have a celebration later. I was just kind of surprised that Chelsea didn't go. I think this is another instance of, like, me being confused why they don't use babysitters. You know, it's Aubrey's birthday. Why didn't they just have somebody watch the kids, for the little kids, for two hours so that Chelsea could go? I don't think it's the end of the world that she didn't go. And it didn't seem like it was, like, a party. I don't know. I was a little confused by the whole thing. Uh, once they get home, they have cookie cake. The other day I was at, <laughs> I was at Walmart and I was like walking past the big goods and I really looked at a cookie cake and was like, should I buy that? <laughs> like, had a full on like, should I buy a cookie cake right now to eat to my face? Yeah, I do binge eat. <laughs> yeah, I probably do have binge eating disorder. <laughs> Why do you ask? I didn't buy it, but I really really considered it. So when I saw that, I was like, fuck, I still want cookie cake. I fucking love cookie cake. Cookie cake is so good. 
So Chelsea Grace is there, and of course they do their yearly talk shit on Adam. <laughs> oh, poor Aubrey. It wasn't like that bad. They just said that Chelsea was with the guy that wasn't nice to her, which is absolutely a factual statement. Um, then they say they go to her dad's cabin for a few hours, which kind of confused me because I was under the impression that, like, the cabin was, like, a drive away, like, a couple hour drive away. So, it's like, you're not going to go and spend the night? Especially, like, getting all of the kids there. And Chelsea's friend, Laura, is there. I'm not a fan of Laura. I'm going to be honest. In my most shallow version, I just don't like the look of her. (laughs) She's very tough looking to me. It's not that she's, like, ugly. She's just, like, tough. And her tan and her skin, like, kind of freaks me out a little. I don't like her voice. I just am not a Laura fan. And I miss uh, Brittany, the one that was married to the child molester. It's not funny. But I just think it's interesting that, like, Laura and Chelsea have been friends for a long time. She's in Chelsea's phone as Ling Ling, in case you're wondering. Based on... The movie White Chicks, maybe? I can't remember exactly what movie it is. But I question Laura or Chelsea having the name Ling Ling, L-I-N-G, L-I-N-G in her phone. I think that's mm, suspect. And even if it is based on a movie. And Chelsea, I just don't like Laura. <laughs> oh, but Laura is like, she was never really on the show before, even though her and Chelsea have been friends forever. And it was always Brittany, but obviously Brittany is no longer in the public eye after her husband got arrested for being a pedophile. And now it's Lara. Basically, they talk about Aubrey's birthday and the fact that Grandma Donna nor Adam called Chelsea or Aubrey on her birthday. And while I do not think it's weird that Adam didn't call because it's Adam, I do think it's weird that Donna doesn't call on Aubrey's birthday. That's weird, right? Like... Donna it loves Aubrey. She's an active part of Aubrey's life. Adam and Donna go to the school once a week to have lunch with her. Like, I don't I don't really get it. Like, why wouldn't you call on her birthday? Like, do they send her a card? Do they send her gifts? Like, I don't know if I talk to my grandma on the phone like every year on my birthday. But like I definitely got like a card and a gift from her every year. Well, and also my birthday's always around Memorial Day, so we would always be at the shore either the weekend before, the weekend after. Sometimes my birthday would be on the weekend of Memorial Day. We'd have a birthday party, and my whole dad's side of the family shared a shore house. And um, that's part of the reason Cousin Julia and I are so close. I don't Have I talked about that? The fact that, like, we lived together all summer in our childhoods? Like, all summer long, we would live in the same house. Uh That's, like, one of the main reasons that we're as close as we are. Besides the fact that we're only a year apart, uh, we live together. (laughs) So, we grew up, like, sisters in the summer, basically. And, oh, so, like, I I don't know. I don't think I, like, if it was my birthday, not, like, on Memorial Day weekend when I would be with my Nana. All my other grandparents died when I was much younger. Um... I don't know if I would, like, get a phone call from her, but we always got a card in the mail. My great-aunt Ruthie, my Nana's sister, sent us a card every year for our birthday, and it would always get there early, and it would always be um, related to, like, your favorite thing. And she would also, she would make fudge, and she would send fudge, and would make me vanilla fudge. And um, 
I don't, so, like, I always got cards from my grandma and my Aunt Ruthie, but I don't know if, like, we specifically would talk to them on our birthdays, but, like, her birthdays were always acknowledged close together, or, like, close to the date, and I just think it's very weird that Grandma Donna didn't call, but also, like, I don't know, if, if Chelsea's, or if Aubrey's birthday was on a Friday, and they went for lunch that Thursday, like, why would Donna call? I, we're missing part of this information. I don't think it's, like, a huge deal that Donna didn't call on her birthday if they saw her, like, the day before or the day after at school and, like, gave her a gift or a card and a hug and, like, had a little birthday celebration at lunch that day. I don't think it's weird. I, yeah. Because I was, like, watching this. I'm, like, why the fuck did a Donna call her? But now I'm, like, well, maybe she saw her that day at lunch. <laughs> You know, for all we know, Donna was, Donna and Adam were at Aubrey's school that day (laughs) and saw her. And that's why I didn't call to say happy birthday. Wow. I just really am putting that together because growing up, like if I saw my grandma the day before my birthday, like that would be sufficient for birthday talking. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Donna told Aubrey, though, that Adam has no job or girlfriend and he sleeps all day. (laughs) Which is kind of a weird thing to tell a kid. But maybe Aubrey was asking about it. This is, like, my thing. I just, I I don't know. I kind of hate talking shit on Donna because it's so one-sided. And we don't get to hear at all about what she thinks. Okay, so... Oh. (laughs) Chelsea and Cole are going out to dinner... She's wearing a hat that looks really stupid on her. Sorry, not sorry. And a yellow jacket thing, which just makes her look yellow. It's not great. And then Chelsea says, if we had more time, or if we weren't on camera, I'd give you a blowy on the way. And Cole's like, ah! And then Chelsea's like, remember that time in the car wash? And Cole's like, ah! I don't know. It was silly. Like, I saw a lot of people online talking about it. It was silly. I think it's kind of weird for Chelsea to bring up on camera. But at the same time, I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay, Chelsea, you blew your husband in the car wash. Like, mazel to you. (laughs) Then they go out to dinner with another couple in a completely empty restaurant at what looks to be four (laughs) o'clock. Like, I love this on reality TV when it's still, like, clearly early afternoon and nobody else is in the restaurant and they go out to dinner and they have, like, a tasting menu with the chef, which is pretty cool. And while they're there, Donna calls and Chelsea, like, reads the voicemail, the transcribed voicemail, and Donna basically is just like, hi, I want to talk to you to set up a visit and I have some more stuff I'd like to see. And Chelsea's like, she's going to ask for more time for Adam. She's going to ask for more time for Adam. And Cole's like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, you guys don't know what she's going to ask. And, like, I don't know. For all you know, like, they want to take Aubrey to Disney World. (laughs) You know? Like, it's just so dramatic. Everything regarding Grandma Donna just seems too dramatic for, like, what the actual results usually are. Does that make sense? Oh, Chelsea. Okay. Shall we talk Jade? Let Jade be a lesson to every young woman who listens to this podcast, which, yes, I know there are not many because I understand the demographics of Teen Mom, but I'm sure there are some women in their early 20s who listen to this 
let Jade be a cautionary tale to not sign a fucking lease with your boyfriend that has a drug problem. (laughs) I will say, the whole time I lived with my boyfriend that had a drug problem, my name and my name alone was on the lease. Well, I mean, I guess my dad's name is on the lease as well as like the uh, guarantor. Is that what they're called? Yeah, usually. Um, My dad was like, you know, the one that made sure, promised that the rent would be paid. (laughs) Because I was, like, still in college when we were dating. Uh, But we never signed a lease together. Like, he would move into my apartments. Like, do not sign a lease with somebody unless you are serious, serious, serious about sticking it out. You are both equally successful. You could pay the rent on your own if he needs to move out. He could pay the rent on his own if you need to move out. Like, just be careful about signing leases because Jade got fucked here. Actually, Jade was a fucking idiot, honestly. I don't know why Jade agreed to move out of that house. (laughs) Jade should not have moved out of that house. And if she did, she should have, well, she did. When she did, she should have gotten her name off the lease. Now they're like, oh, well, we'll get an attorney to get us out of the lease. And it's like, what do you mean get out of the lease? Like, you don't, you can't just get out of leases. You have to pay to break your lease, which is usually two months of rent, which, I mean, that's $1,800. Like, honestly, Jade should just pay that $1,800 because it's only been a couple months that they've been on there. And if it's a year-long lease, like, just pay the $1,800 because God only knows how much money she's going to have to fucking pay for the rest of the year. But what was she thinking? Just leaving the house. She knows Sean is actively using. Uh, She knows he doesn't have a job. And then she's like, why didn't you pay rent? And it's like, because he doesn't have a fucking job. I guess she's wondering why he didn't use his teen mom money. By the way, I feel really out of breath. <laughs> that year Bramante went right to my head. I, like, can't breathe out of my nose. And I'm talking faster than normal out of my mouth. And I feel like I'm getting, like, <laughs> Oh, God. <sighs> okay. So, Jade's parents are out of jail, but she's, like, not ready to talk to them. Um, she's letting Sean watch the baby a lot, and she says they're getting along. She talks to her friend, and her friend is like, well, what do you mean getting along? And I definitely took, like, Jade and Sean are fucking. I think if Jade and Sean are talking and hanging out, like, they fuck. I think the only time they don't fuck is when they're not talking and not hanging out at all. So, Jade is like, I'm not sure if he's actually better, but, like, in the day-to-day, he seems okay. And her friend's like, "Mm." (laughs) Uh, so Jade goes to a hilarious store with her cousin in the mall. This week on Buy Pumpkin, Princess's amazing, 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 amazing new podcast, which is free on iTunes, spelling T, her other podcast is a Patreon exclusive, but Buy Pumpkin is free on iTunes. It's so good, guys. I don't really care that much about the first season of Flavor I Love. Like, I watched it, of course, like, I care about the memes, but it's not... I don't know. Like, for me, it just, like, didn't, it didn't have, like, the lasting cultural, like, power on me. It's, like, not that important to me. So, I was like, "Eh, I mean, I'll listen to this because I love Princess, but, like, what do I care about Flavor of Love? It's so good. Princess is so fucking funny, as she always is, and so smart and so insightful and so specific. And this week, she was talking about going to a store in the mall called Styles with a Z. (laughs) And Jade went to Styles with a Z, basically. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, maybe it was Rainbows. Is Rainbows still a store? I think Tomlin told me recently Rainbow is still a store. Is that Tomlin who told me that? Somebody told me recently that Rainbows is still a store. I haven't seen one in a while. But basically, as soon as Jade, like, popped up in this store, I was like, oh, my God, it's Styles with a Z. <laughs> exactly what Princess talked about this week on Flavor, or on Buy Pumpkin. Listen to Buy Pumpkin. It's spelled with one P, P-U-M-K-I-N. It's so fucking funny. Princess is so good. I'm going to be a guest on there eventually. Uh, she asked me to come on this week, but unfortunately, you know, I'm traveling this week. It just didn't work, but I'll be on there eventually. I think next season she's going to talk. She said she's going to talk about Breaking Bonaduce, which is culturally relevant to me. <laughs> uh, I love it. Make sure you listen. Uh, but yeah, so Jade is like talking to her cousin and she's like, I just don't understand why this always comes down on me. And this is where Jade's annoying, right? Like, this is where I'm like, Jade, grow up. It always is down on you because you make terrible choices. (laughs) Jade's like, why? Why do I have to take care of this? It's like, because you signed a fucking lease with a heroin addict, you dum-dum. Like, in a way, I feel bad for her because, like, I have empathy for anybody who grew up like she did and is trying to navigate this world as an adult without a lot of adult, like, uh, behavior that she can model herself after. And I think that Jade is a genuinely hard worker. I mean, when is the last time we saw someone on Teen Mom, even in the early OG and Teen Mom 2 seasons, who's, like, getting uh, getting their schooling, is working, is doing, and she's getting Instagram ad money. Like, she's hustling. Jade is hustling. And... I feel for her and I have empathy for her, but she also makes, like, so many bad choices. So when she's doing her, like, poor me, poor me thing, it's like, okay, I don't really feel bad for you in this Sean situation. Like, when it comes to your parents, like, I definitely feel bad because, like, you don't get to pick your parents. But, like, you pick Sean and you pick him over and over again and you moved in with him even though, like, you guys have never gotten along well and your relationship was not in a good place and you still chose to move in with him and sign a lease with him. And then you moved out and didn't get your name off the lease, didn't pay to break the lease, and just let your heroin addict boyfriend live there without a job. And now you're like, I can't believe you didn't pay the rent. And I'm going to get an eviction on my record. <laughs> oh, oh, Jade. Um, She ends up paying because, like, Sean's like, no, I'll get the money, I'll get the money. And, like, she knows he's not going to get the money. She calls him the day it's due and is like, hey, I went ahead and paid it. (laughs) And I will say, Sean is, like, very good at talking. Like, Sean knows how to be like, I'm so sorry. I appreciate everything you do. Like, Sean is smooth with his words, I noticed. He, He really was telling her, like, all the things that a person wants to hear. But, you know, how many times can you tell someone... What they want to hear when your behavior sucks. Jade is like, well, he said like his plan is basically to get off this lease and move in somewhere where it's cheaper. And she's like, well, good luck with that. And he's like, why are you being so rude? So unnecessarily rude. It's like, no, but <laughs> no. Also, this same day, his fucking power and water get called off. <laughs> so he doesn't have shit. And Jade says he can come stay with her. So that's why I'm like Jade. Like when he said, she's like, well, why does this all come down to me? And it's like, because you're letting your dopehead boyfriend move in with you. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Jade. It's Jade is frustrating because I feel like she has potential to do a lot more. And you just watch her, like, make bad decision after bad decision. But then also good decisions. She's definitely a two steps forward, two steps back type of person. I'm looking forward to... I think Sean's just going to straight up move in with her in the new place. Like, I don't think Sean will be getting his own place. I'm sure he'll be just moving in with her. When he's like, well, my plan is, you know, to, like, rent a room somewhere cheaper. Basically, he's like, well, my plan is to just fuck you enough that I can move into your place. Because <laughs> you're going to need help with Chloe. Ay, ay, <laughs> Okay, let's talk about Brie. Yo, Louis just popping up out of nowhere. I don't think I knew he was living in Florida. <laughs> it's all possible I missed an episode this season. Did I take a week off since C-Mom 2's been on the air? It's possible. And I just, like, didn't watch that week or something. But I don't know where I was. But I had no fucking clue Lewis was li- living in Florida and was actually quite surprised to see that. Uh, so when Bree just, or when Lewis just pops up, I'm like, Whoa, okay. Uh, there's a really funny scene at the beginning where Bree's like, well, Lewis came by yesterday because he's leaving. He wanted to say bye to Stella. And Britt goes, he never said hello to Stella. Why does he need to say goodbye? <laughs> Ooh, it hurt my heart for Stella and Bree to find out that Lewis had been living there for seven months and never came by. Like, that's so fucked up. I do remember that episode of Brie meeting up with Lewis and, like, Stella having a meltdown, like, didn't know who he was. Was that last season? Oh, guys. This all shit really rub- runs together. In my head, that was last season, and he was just visiting. But I guess it was him moving there. Lewis apparently is really going to start this truck driving thing, and... Uh, he, Brie is opening her new studio and she's doing teeth whitening on Shirley, which as I've said, like, let's not go to a non-dentist for anything teeth related. We get one set of teeth in our life. Let's treat them quite carefully. Said the girl that didn't go to the dentist for like 10 years is just not going to the dentist again and just paid like $1,500 in dental work and still has like seven upcoming dentist appointments. Like, take my word for it. (laughs) I fucked up my uh plaque not fucked up my plaque but I got a lot of really bad plaque that took a long fucking time for my doctor or my dentist to get off well the dental hygienist and now I have to get cleanings every three months (laughs) instead of every six months and I can't totally afford that I can't not afford it but I also can't afford it (laughs) So, you know, take your teeth seriously. Randy Randy tweeted some shit about how, like, lights don't actually do anything for teeth whitening. And I don't know. Usually I, like, really hate when Randy tweets and talks shit. But I was like, look, if there's one thing I'll allow Randy to talk shit on, I guess it'll be dental services done outside of the dentist's office. <laughs> Basically, Lewis texts her and asks to borrow $1,500 that he says he'll pay back with interest. I was, like, shocked at that. First of all, I don't know if it's just, like, my status of, like, not rolling in the dough. But, like, I can't imagine ever borrowing $1,500 from somebody and, like, promising to pay it back with interest. Because that's a shit ton of money. Um... Like, I don't know. That's a lot of money to borrow from somebody. Uh, It's a lot of money to borrow from somebody that 
100% supports your child that you have nothing to do with. I really couldn't, I couldn't believe the nerve on him. And Bree and Britt were like, well, I guess that's why he came around the other day. Uh, which is honestly, de- like, that is devastating. Like, my heart, <laughs> it honestly broke in that moment. He, like, seeing Bree put together that Lewis only came by to see Stella because he, like, knew that he wouldn't be able to ask her for cash like without coming by (sighs) poor Stelita I really guys I really love Stella I just really love her um Lewis comes over again and Brie decides that she's gonna give him the money and Britt's like well if you're gonna give him the money just like don't expect the money back Britt's like just tell him text him and tell him you can't give him the money you just bought a house and she's like, no, I think I need to give him that money. And Rox- Roxanne thinks it's a good idea and that she's proud of Brie for making that decision. I don't know, guys. I have questions about <laughs> I have questions about Roxanne. What a novel statement. I'm always confused by Roxanne's like eternal optimism when it comes to these men. And I think it's funny that um if you look on like Reddit and I'm sure on Twitter and Facebook. Roxanne and Brie and Britt, who people call the coven, which I will never call them the coven ever, are man-haters and they push all these men away. And it's kind of funny because it's actually the opposite, (laughs) at least when it comes to Roxanne. Like, Roxanne is constantly pushing for Brie to, like, do everything she can to have Stella and Devon show up. Like, Roxanne would drive and pick up Devon every single day. To come over their house. Like if if he was willing to do that. I don't know. I can't. Honestly at this exact moment in time. I can't remember if like. She, that changed. And she used to not be like that. Like I guess she didn't. Like she used to be a lot meaner. To Devon. And like Team Mom three times. But like. Roxanne. Just has this mentality. That Brie needs to do like. Anything. So that Devon and Lewis come around. And I don't quite get it. I don't quite get like what is her responsibility in the eyes of Roxanne. Oh my gosh, excuse me, I have the hiccups. Anyway, Lewis comes over and they talk about money and Lewis says like how he needs to step it up and how he'll pay her back and Bree's like, "Well, I'm thinking about switching your daycare cuz we're not consistent with it and it's 2:45 and <laughs> Lewis goes, "A month?" And Brie goes, a week. It just shows, like, how out of touch she is. Uh, Brie basically says, like, straight up, like, you only came around because you needed money. And he doesn't really deny it. What I did think was really interesting about this episode for Brie is that Brie and Brittany are in the car. I guess they went to go pick up Nova. And Brie is crying. And she's like, Lewis is still at the house and Brie is with Britt in the car and she's crying and she's like, I just want to do everything that I can so that my daughters have their dad in their lives because I know how much it affects us that we don't have our dad. And I would like, I hate the idea of my daughters growing up and feeling the way that I do. And I never want them to think that I didn't do everything that I could. And Britt like really validates her and is like, yeah, but they're when they're adults, like they're going to look back and feel the way that we did. That like our your mom, their mom did everything they could, and that like she wasn't responsible for this. And I thought Brie was being really vulnerable, and I got it. And then she gets home, and Rox is like, "I'm so proud of you. Like you did exactly what you were supposed to do. This is so right." 
And Bree is like, well, he only came here for money. I don't want anything to do with him. He could never come here again, and I'd be fine with that. And Rox is like, don't say that. Don't say that. You made the right choice. And Bree's like, I regret giving him the money. And Rox is like, no, you did the right thing. That's Stella's dad. And I just was like, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I'm not quite sure, like, how I feel about it or what it means necessarily, but just, like, how different Brie is when she's talking to her mom versus when she's talking to Britt about this situation. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to, like, think more on that. As for should Brie have given Lewis the money? I mean, no, like, of course not. But also, I don't think it was, like, a rational decision that I should apply logic to. I think this was, like, all based on heart and emotion and, like, She never wants to say to Stella, like, I didn't do everything that I could. And I think that not giving him the money, like, she could still say that to Stella. But I also think that, like, I get why she did give him the money. And I don't blame her for... I think it was stupid of her to give him the money. But the fact is, like, we all make stupid decisions that we have to live with that are our own stupid decisions. And I get why she made that stupid decision. Does that make sense? All right, let's go into TMYP. Uh, let's talk about Kayla, who, guys, Kayla is baffling to me. I, for some idiotic reason, was under the impression that Kayla and Luke had, like, a good, healthy relationship. Don't ask me why I thought this, because they, you know, were playing house, like, a day into meeting each other. But I really thought that they, like had some shit figured out, when I found out that they have not even fucking discussed where Luke wants to go to college next year, like, within six months, I was like, wait, what? I, that was, like, mind-blowing to me. I guess it's just because of the type of person I am. I have something really shocking to tell you guys. (laughs) I'm a talker and I'm a planner. I'm a communicator. I can't imagine, like, not be constantly talking to my boyfriend about his plans for next year, what that means for us. Once again, should we be having a fucking baby if you're planning on going out of state? I, like, the fact, the fact that Luke going possibly out of state for basketball didn't even factor into Kayla's decision, like, if she wants to keep this baby or not is just... It's just truly mind-boggling to me. It really is truly mind-boggling to me. I mean, I guess he didn't go because they're, like, all booed up still on Instagram, and it seems to be that she hasn't moved. Like, I haven't seen her post anything about moving, but it it just seems to all come from insecurity and fear, because Kayla's like, well, I'm giving him space. I'm giving him space. And it's like, space? That's your fucking boyfriend who you're about to have a baby with. (laughs) You guys live together. Space is not what you need. You don't need to give him space. You need to give him, like, up in his face, like, you need to tell me exactly what the fucking plan is. These girls are, some of these girls are stupid. It's just, I I just don't understand how somebody could be so passive and meek. It's just so far removed from my reality that I have a lot of trouble even wrapping my head around it. Um, 
she's like, well, I don't want to move because if I moved, I'd just be stuck in the house with two little babies. I wouldn't have any friends. My doctors wouldn't be there. And I was like, yeah, that's logical. And she's like, but like, he won't go if I don't go. And I'm like, so why are you having a baby? I think that's the only thing that I can think throughout all of Kayla's segments. Like her, all of her segments are about like being isolated not having anything to do, not having anybody to watch her kids. Like, basically all of her segments are, like, the hardships of being a mom. And watching them and remembering that she's pregnant is, like, what are you doing, girl? What are you doing? Um, Has anybody noticed that they always show how Kayla lives, like, in the fucking booties? They're, like, always showing a cornfield. <laughs> uh, Luke goes to meet with his coach and basically... His goal is to go to a school either in Michigan or Alabama. He's really trying to push this to professional level. And I'm wondering if he means NBA professional or if he means, like, playing in Italy professional. I mean, there are non-NBA professional basketball player options, but usually they involve living in Europe or wherever, not in the United States. So, I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really understand Luke. I don't understand Luke and Kayla together. I'm suspect of any man that is like totally willing to take on the role of playing daddy to a child that is not his like immediately. Oof, I just hope for the best for Kayla because there are two little babies involved. Um, Kayla and Luke have a conversation that I pray is not actually their first conversation and they just had to film something for MTV. But Luke is like, no, you'll come with and, like, I'll help you make friends. <laughs> and Kale's like, well, do I have anything to be worried about? And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, you're going to be the basketball player of a new guy on campus. Like, do I have anything to be worried about? And it's like, are you really asking, like, this guy that you're about to have a baby with, like, if he's going to cheat on you? Oh, Kayla is, like, so insecure she can melt into a puddle. Like, she's about, like, any time that she has to confront Luke in any sort of way, she's about to, like, seek her life of Alex Mack into a puddle. Just, like, escape from doing it. <sighs> Kayla. I just... <sighs> There's something so incredibly frustrating about Kayla because I just can't understand why she put herself in this position. I can't... I just... I truly can't understand why she's going through with this pregnancy. I understand that it's, like... She's making this choice because she can't imagine making another choice. Like, I do get that, but I don't understand why she didn't get an IUD or why she wasn't on the arm implant. Like, it was just such a bad... She... Ugh, Kayla. All right, let's talk about Rachel. Um, She... We've learned kind of more about Rachel's backstory this episode, which I was very interested in. Uh, by the way, have we noticed, like, am I the only one that noticed that Rachel's brother seems to be trans and they're not making, like, a thing about it and it's not a storyline? I think that's pretty great. <laughs> it's, like, pretty cool for MTV that it's just, like, this is Rachel's brother. <laughs> so, props to MTV for that. Um, she wants a perfect family for Hazley and wants her to have two parents. And it's, like, well... I think we've missed the boat on that. <laughs> I don't think this guy that isn't the dad probably, and you didn't know who the dad was, like, I think, 
I think the way that you, like, ensure your child is in a two-parent household, well, you can never ensure anything. You can't control the future. You make God plans. God laughs at them. But I'd say, like, your best bet is to, like, get a little older, get married, and then have a baby. <laughs> I feel like getting, keeping a baby in which you're not sure who the father is just, like, isn't your best chance of success at raising your child in a two-parent home <laughs> when you're also 16 years old. <laughs> So Rachel's dad got out of prison a few months ago. We find out that when Rachel was five, DCS took the kids from her parents because they failed a drug test. She was raised by her Nana. She saw her dad so rarely that they don't even have any pictures of him from when they were growing up, which is, like, sad to think about that she doesn't have a single picture with her dad when she was a kid. Her parents were always in and out of jail, and three years ago, her mom got clean and regained custody, which, like, Obviously, props to her. I still don't know what her mom's name is. (laughs) I seem to miss it every time. Uh, She still doesn't really get to see her dad. Her dad calls and basically says, like, well, I want to come up there, but I don't have a license. But, you know, I'll try and figure it out. And, yo, it's sad. Rachel and her dad situation makes me sad because it kind of reminds you, like, how young she is. And I think she's still really has it in her head that her dad is not the bad guy here and she talks about how the reason she didn't see her dad when she was growing up is because like her nana put in her head that he was a bad person and her nana made her hate him and I'm like I mean is that true or was your dad a bad person I mean sure there are plenty I'm not plenty but there are cases where you know the custodial parent or custodial guardian will like poison a child against one or both of their parents. Like, I know that is a thing that happens, but I also think it's, like, very much a 16, 17-year-old thing to say, like, well, the reason that, like, I didn't see my dad is because, like, my Nana convinced me that I didn't love him, that he was a bad person, and not to have the perspective that, like, the reason I don't have a relationship with my dad is because he was in prison my whole life and made no effort to see me. I don't mean to laugh, but, like, it seems like the case. Even her boyfriend, like, it just shows how young they are. Because her boyfriend pipes in like, yeah, same thing. My mom made it so my dad couldn't see me too. And look, I just will say that even though I know that type of thing happens, what happens a thousand times more often is that a dead peed parent just doesn't want to show up. And that is really hard for a child, a teenager, and even adults to accept. And I don't blame any child or teenager for feeling like, not feeling like, for blaming the person that was around. I mean, they used to talk about this on Veronica Mars. I remember Veronica says to Wallace in season two, like, the good parent is the one who stays when he reconnects with his dad, his evil biological father. Spoiler alert. And She's right. The good parent is the one who stays, and the good parent is the one who shows up. And, of course, you know, exceptions to every rule. But I do understand why it's, like, very hard for a child to think, like, my dad and I don't have a good relationship because he didn't care enough to show up. Like, that is tough. What is less tough is thinking, like, my dad and I don't have a good relationship because my Nana wouldn't let him come around. Even though, like girl hasn't lived with her Nana in over three years, and it seems like she still hasn't seen her dad. 
and she still doesn't have a relationship with him. So is it Nana's fault or is it your dad's fault? So then we get a scene with Mallory, which like, thank God I've been calling for singular Mallory scenes, right? I think that Mallory is absolutely the star of this season of Team Mom, Young and Pregnant, even if she's only a secondary character. And Mallory basically says, like, she's not ready to be a mom and she wants to sign her rights over to her mom. Once again, I have to ask the question, like, why didn't she get an abortion? She's like, well, I'm not ready to be a mom because I don't have a car, I don't have a job, I don't have my shit together. And it's like, okay, but, like, I'm guessing you didn't have any of that stuff before you had the baby as well. Uh, She says that she hopes Emerson won't be mad at her. She's like, I mean, I came around to loving my mom, and I understood that my mom was just doing what she had to do. As I said, I think last week, Mallory is now claiming that she just had, like, terrible postpartum depression, and that she was using alcohol to cope with that, and that she's a lot better now and got help, and she seems to be parenting Emerson, but also it's like, I don't know. This is all just from social media. This was filmed almost a year ago, so we have to keep that in mind. But I hope that's true. Like, I hope that's the case. I'm a little skeptical just because she seems to be in such a detached and bad place here that I'm curious, like, how she was able to basically come back around to full-time parenting, even if this was only a year ago. But not come back around, but come to full-time parenting. And if that is the case and it, you know, she kind of missed the first year of Emerson's life, like, but she's in the scene picture now, like, then, like, good for her, genuinely, like, good for her. I would really love that to be the case. I just kind of worry that it's not. Um, Rachel is just very frustrated that Mallory is continuing this cycle, which I understand. She basically says, like, I don't understand why... Mallory and I had the same life, but she is doing exactly what our parents did. And yeah, but I think it's important to remember, and this is why we like can't compare traumas and why we can't be like, well, I had postpartum depression and I didn't act like this, so Mallory's lying, or I had this wrong in my childhood and I didn't do this, so that doesn't give you an excuse to do this. I think everybody needs to remember that our brains are all different and we all handle trauma differently and we all deal with shit differently and... It's great that Rachel, you know, wasn't nearly as affected, obviously, by her parents or was affected in a different way and it's not impacting the way that she can show up for her child, but that doesn't make Mallory's pain, you know, any less valid. I don't know. It's just hard to watch. Also, it's like kind of freaky to watch Mallory talk about it because she doesn't even seem to care that much. I just think she like really never bonded with Emerson and I hope she's been able to fix that. Uh, Mallory shows up at the house and, oh, well, wait, first before that, Rachel and her mom are talking and her mom's like, so what's going on with your dad? And Rachel's like, well, he's going to come here. And Mallory's, or Mallory, (laughs) the mom is like, no, the fuck he isn't. And Rachel's like, look, like I was able to forgive you and now we have a good relationship and I want to be able to do the same with dad, which I think is totally reasonable. And mom's like, I only lost you because of him. And Rachel's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And mom's like, I only, he, I passed that drug test. He failed it. That's why I lost you guys. And Rachel's like, what are you talking about? Like you were on drugs. That's why you could not fight for us. Like, even if you passed that drug test, like you didn't fight to get us back because you were on drugs. And she's like, No, it's not because I was on drugs. It's because of Nana. And this is where I was like, 
ooh, okay, I guess mom, um, you know, is doing better than she was, but maybe isn't doing great. <laughs> like, that was a little yikes, yikes, yikes. I mean, it was very yikes, yikes, yikes to me. I think that overall, Rachel's mom seems pretty with it and has a lot of it together, but obviously there's still a lot of anger underneath and not a lot of humility and amends going on there. Ooh. Rachel's like, bitch, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I totally got why she felt that way. So Mallory comes to the house after a night of partying and Mallory starts to cry that she misses her and their brother is like, oh, you miss her? Basically being like, so why the fuck don't you come around? And Mallory tells her mom, like, I just can't provide for her. Like, I can't be here for her. And I actually, so I was just like talking shit on her mom, but then I thought her mom, like, said exactly what needed to be said here in a really, like, compassionate way. She was like, I don't need you to provide for her. She's like, I got Emerson. She's like, I will watch her every single day. I will totally provide for her. I can provide for her. Just show up. She's like, just be here and spend time with her. Like, basically saying, like, don't worry about any of the care. Like, I will raise her. Just come and be here. And the mom, and Mallory, I think, is like, she just can't wrap her head around that, I guess. And the mom basically says, like, you're going to regret this like I did, which is sad. It's sad. Mm. Okay, so Kaya's water breaks the night before she's supposed to be induced, and poor Kaya's having a fucking meltdown. I actually deeply related to Kaya in this scene, not that I've given birth, but I am a person that, as you guys heard when I, my back hurt, um, I'm a person that when I'm in pain, it like sets off my anxiety. When I have asthma attacks, it's really bad. My anxiety, like I have panic attacks at the same time I'm having an asthma attack and they both just make each other worse. I really get it. I could hear in her voice doing exactly what I do, which is you're in pain and you're scared. So you like, you start to have an anxiety attack, but then that makes the pain and like the feeling of being scared 10 times worse. And they're just like this awful like combination. You can't calm down. You can't catch your breath. And it's like really more of an anxiety attack than you're necessarily in pain. Like, oh, I just really related to her in that moment and felt really bad for her. She was like, I'm scared, I'm scared. I'm like, oh, poor baby. Basically, she gets to the hospital. She is only a couple centimeters dilated, and so they just wait. She, Her aunt comes. She does her aunt's makeup. She's on full makeup, full lashes. I'm like, whatever, good for you. And they talk about how, how often Xavier calls her, and she's like, well, he didn't call me at all for six months. And then his mom and I got in the fight, and now we, then he started to call every day, like, he's my boyfriend. I was like, no. So now they talk really early, but she didn't tell him that she was getting induced because she just didn't want his mom to pop up. And her aunt is like, well, you know, if she comes, like, don't worry. It's not going to be an issue. I thought her aunt had, like, a really calming presence. I really liked her aunt. Um, About seven hours into labor, she has the baby. I believe his name is, I actually don't know. It's Amour Armor, A-M-O-U-R, right? Armor? Is that how you spell Armor? Actually, this is like part of my learning disability. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't know what the baby's name, but there's actually not that much to talk about in this scene. The baby has so much hair and the biggest lips. He's really cute. Uh, Tiaza is crying. Kaya's like not... Kaya seems kind of detached, but I mean, God bless her. She... <laughs> 
She's having an anxiety attack. She pushed out a baby. She's probably fucking exhausted. And she's like, I can't believe a human being just came out of my vagina. <laughs> Which is exactly how I feel about pregnancy. How crazy it is that you just grow a baby in your body and then you push it out and then you're its mother. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, Xavion still doesn't know. Tiffany wants to give Carla, the grandma, a courtesy call. And this part I found very frustrating for Kaya But at the same time, it's, like, kind of an example of why you don't have a baby when you're 17. Uh, Because you still have a mom in your life that is going to pull Ryan crew for you. Kaya basically is like, I don't want Carla to have anything to do with this baby. Do not call her. Do not tell her about this. No, nothing. And Tiffany's like, well, it's her his grandmother. Like, I need to give her a courtesy call. And Kaya's like, that's not his grandmother. And... Tiffany's like, yes, it is. I just want to let her know and reach out. And Kaya's like, well, she knew today was my due date. Like, she didn't reach out to me. (sighs) I feel for Kaya because I think Kaya's in the right that she does not owe Tiffany or Carla a spot in this baby's life. She tried to physically fight uh, Kaya twice during her pregnancy and you know, if she made a post on Am I the Asshole on Reddit and said, Am I the asshole for not having my child's grandmother in his life? Everyone would say, Not the asshole. Go no contact. Never ever talk to her again. You're 100% in the right. And they would not be wrong. But at the same time, she is so young and it's hard to pull rank when you're living in your mom's house and your mom is still parenting you actively. You know, it's just hard. And I really, but I felt for her because Tiaza and Tiffany are both like, we should call her, we should let her know. And Kaya, who's the mom, doesn't want that to happen. So I don't know how they're going to manage that going forward. I really don't think they're going to be able to manage it well. I think it's going to cause a lot of issues. And I think Tiffany should step back. But I also understand, like, if you are a parent to a teenager and you've been actively parenting this teenager for the last however many years they've been alive... And they are still very immature in a lot of ways and still make a lot of bad decisions and still need to be parented. I can understand why Tiffany kind of wants to overrule Kaya and be like, "Mm, no, well, I'm not really listening to you. But at the same time, like that's Kaya's baby, not Tiffany's. And it's not Tiffany's place to decide who she like, who gets to come around the baby and who gets to know about the baby. That is Kaya's place. But I totally get why they're going to have a power struggle there. And I'm pretty interested to see, like, how they deal with that. So time will tell, you know? Time will tell. Okay, nothing really happened with Ashley. Same old, Ashley's going to go to Vegas. We did go to see a, sh- a flashback of Shen. And let me tell you, I miss Shen. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see Shen again. Um, Ashley and Barr, like, yeah. How many episodes can we have of them talking about why they're going to break up and why they broke up? Like, we know. We get it. That's really... That's really all there is. There's nothing to talk about with Ashley this week, actually. Okay. Bree... This is crazy, right? So this guy reaches out to Bree, says that he's Brayson's dad. He knows he's... He really knows he's Brayson's dad. He wants to be in Brayson's life. He wants... His girlfriend wants him to be in Brayson's life. They find out Brayson's the dad. And this guy wants nothing to do with Bryson. Like, I thought this guy was coming on the show. (laughs) 
Like, I thought we were about to get a new cast member. Now they're bleeping this guy's name, and he will not reach out to Brie at all. In fact, his girlfriend is Facebook messaging her and telling her that we'll send money, but we're not going to be in the kid's life at all. And Brie is confused. Brie's like, what the fuck? And I'm totally on Brie's side here. Like, why the fuck would you message me and, like, kick up this shit in my life and then you're not even into being in our life? That's crazy. I can't figure out what's going on because it seemed like his girlfriend was all in. Jessica's confused. I'm confused. Apparently, the dad even told Brie, like, I would be disappointed if he wasn't mine. (laughs) This is all confusing. Um... At one point, the girlfriend even texts Brie and basically starts a fight. She says, stay the fuck away from us or shit is going down, is going to uh, start happening. And Brie sent, texted her back like, that's a threat and this will be documented. (laughs) Brie is just like, this makes no sense. And it doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, I have a criticism of Brie's scenes that we never leave her house. We need Brie to do some stuff because it's only her and Jessica just like sitting in their house talking to each other. I need a change of scenery. I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm like really disappointed that this guy isn't like that MTV isn't flying out this guy to meet Brayson on camera. Like I can't believe it. Like I really thought we were about to get like full blown new baby daddy in this situation. I was hyped and it didn't happen. It did not happen at all and that's sucks that sucks I also like I really fear feel for Brie like I'd be fucking pissed also I mean I guess he's gonna send her money so that's good (laughs) I'd be glad about getting some money but it's like why would you like come butt your nose into my business if you don't want to actually be in my business (laughs) oh it's just crazy it's so crazy all right, that's it for Team Mom, Young and Pregnant, and Team Mom 2 for this week. I hope everyone has a lovely Thanksgiving. I'm so, so, so grateful for you guys. I can't believe it's been almost three fucking years I've been doing this podcast. Isn't it crazy I started this podcast before Trump was inaugurated? Ugh, dark, dark times. Anyway, thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Love your families. I will be back in two weeks. Talk to you then. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.